Hello everyone and thank you for listening to All Things Family Law podcast hosted by our team here at The Family Law Company. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Gemma Sparks, who's a senior associate and team leader of the Children and Domestic Abuse team. So thank you for joining us, Gemma. No problem. So today we're going to be talking about Gemma's journey into law. Now I met Gemma back in 2009 when we were both studying through Silex. And if you remember, I used to meet you and we'd have a lecture um, in one building and then we'd have 15 minutes to get a sandwich and then run across to another building up nine flights of stairs to our afternoon lectures. We would. Um, and at that time I was at the family law company and you were working in personal injury. I was. So what led to you then thinking about a change from personal injury into family law? Um, I wouldn't say anything led me into it. I think I always knew um, that I wanted to go into family law from, from quite a young age actually, probably from primary school age. Um, family law is what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do law um, and so when I finished um, school and went into my A-levels, I did a law um, A-level um, and then as soon as I was nearing the end of my A-levels I reached out to firms in Exeter to try and get a job just you know working in a law firm, it didn't really matter what it was. Just to get your foot in the door. Just to get my foot in the door. Um, so managed to secure a job straight out of A-levels um, with a company. Um, then I became aware of the Silex route, so the, the Chartered Institute of Legal, Legal Executives, um, from somebody else that was working in that company and doing their studies through that route. Um, and so started that after a year of working with the firm. They wanted me to initially work for a year to show that, you know, to, to understand the, the law and working in a law firm to make sure it's what I wanted to do. Um, so after a year I um, started my studies at Silex um, through distance learning, which is when I then met you, Donna. And the firm you were at previously didn't have a family law department at all, did they? So it wasn't an option for you to do that there? No, they are at the, no, absolutely not. They didn't have family law, so I started doing personal injury. Um, so what made you want to specialise in family law at such a young age? Um, so I was placing care from a sort of very young age, about five or six, um, and going or being in the care system, I guess, um, various foster parents, um, various social workers, yeah. you know, meeting with, with as well people, you know, legal people that worked with children who were in care, um, made me realise that I wanted to do family law. So that sort of inspired you in a way? It did, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Because for some people it can be quite tough. You know, if you've gone through the care system and then you're you're seeing other children in similar situations, um, some people can find that hard. So how, how do you manage that if you're dealing with a particularly complex children matter that might affect you? How would you deal with that? Um, so, as you know, I don't deal with um, the care side of our family law here. So we've got a different team that do that. But um, that's... Uh, I, I knew that I didn't want to do that because it would be a little bit... Um, too close to home for me um, but um, I think from the experiences I've had in being in the care system and um, you know what I went through when I was younger gives me that empathy um, to work with my clients and be able to um, give them advice that perhaps people that haven't been through that can't give or well, not advice but you know, reassurance and, and that understanding really yeah, understanding. that you, you know that it's difficult and 
Yeah, and I think probably your your empathy skills will probably be, you know, um, a lot more genuine, if you like, because you will know what they're going through. And that, that can be difficult for lawyers who haven't um, had some of the same experiences as their client. You know, we're here to advise um, and we develop those skills, but it can be really difficult to, to try and understand what those clients are going through when they might feel a loss of control and... Um, yeah, loss of control over their lives, really. And I suppose you would have felt that at a young age, that lack of control. Yes, absolutely. And also, you probably help the clients understand how their children might be feeling about about what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I certainly um, do use those skills in quite a lot of my cases, dealing with um, children and domestic abuse um, cases, where quite often the local authority will be involved with the families. Um, and quite often, you know, I deal with parents that are concerned about how their children's experiences because of what they've been through might impact on them in the future so I'm able to give them that positive outcome. Yeah and that you 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 know that that child's not not necessarily going to be limited as to what experiences they've had. Absolutely because you know there is quite a lot of stigma I think that follow. Mm. And what um, would you say to a young person who was in the care system at the moment who was thinking about their future and what they might be able to achieve? I would probably say to them, do whatever your dreams are, strive to achieve them because there, there, it doesn't matter what you've been through in your life or where you've started from. Um, you can do whatever you want to do if you want to do it. You just need to have that, um, that mindset and the drive and the ambition. And a lot just... of time, it's it's having that belief, isn't it? Because what you were talking then about um, having shared some of those experiences, as you know. My mum was 15 when she had me and there was a stigma around that and I remember dealing with a really young client who was 16. She had a child and she was really worried about, you know, the difficulties that child might face. And again, I was able to say, well, actually, that's only if they want to put those obstacles in their way. But if you've got that one person believing in you, it doesn't always have to be, you know, a parent. But if you've got somebody there who believes in you, you can go and achieve those dreams. So do you, who would who would you say believed in you or reassured you that you could do law? Um, so I think probably initially I did have quite a few different foster parents. I think, you know, it's you don't necessarily engage with the first family you're, you're placed with um, and things don't work out for whatever reason. Um, but then I uh, was placed with my current foster family who I'm still very much in touch with um Tina and Richard so um I was placed with them when I was nine nearly ten um and they probably quite quickly realized what I wanted to achieve and they just provided invaluable support and that reassurance and gave me the confidence that I could do it. Were you a bit of a sponge as a child so did you take everything you could so any bit of learning or any bit of support you just went ahead and ran with that yeah absolutely and I think um you know you know I have a brother and we've gone completely separate ways so it, it's down to the individual and how you um take forward the experiences you've had you I think I think you've continued with that haven't you now in sort of later life in terms of being a sponge and taking everything in because you've also learned sign language as well haven't you yes Donna and I did our um <laughs> level one sign yeah. language and that was good um, fun what made you want to do that um just a another string to your bow I think mm -hmm. and um, although we, we only know sort of the lower level stuff um, what we learn it enables us to engage initially um, certainly you know just the even the introductions to somebody yeah. you know I've had deaf clients before and although I can't give legal advice in sign language I can do a little bit in yeah. terms of communicating with them. Um, it's about making people feel included and valued and that you've taken the time to, to learn that skill to be able to communicate with them isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And I used it a lot, actually, with 
with my children before they were able to communicate with you know speaking so oh really yeah I did yeah oh wow that's a really good idea so what um how do you inspire other other people in terms of your your story it's always a difficult question to answer yourself don't don't be shy because we know you've won an award um tell us about that well I it's nice to think that I might inspire people. I guess I just, um, you know, I am who I am, and if anybody comes to me for for help, I'm always, I'm hope, hopefully I, you know, help them see a way forward with any issues that they might have. Um, You're on our mentoring scheme, aren't you? And you mentor several of the younger members of the team. I do. Yeah. And yeah. How, how are you inspiring them? So. Um, Predominantly, I help them with um, moving forward with their academic studies. Um, also, you know, I'm I hopefully I'm approachable, and my door's always open. So if anyone's got any issues, professionally or personally, I'm always there to help if they want it. Um, and I can explain to them how I've been through the Silex route um, and help them with anything they might need in terms of applications and putting in for exams or uh, revision, you know, giving them the tools that I've learned. And sometimes it's just being personable, isn't it? So I know people have a perception of what lawyers are like, particularly senior lawyers, um, and they may find that, um, you know, young students may find those sorts of people um, unapproachable because they have very little in common with them. But I think, you know, here a lot of our mentors, um, they've studied through Silex, um, they're what I would call real people with real experiences. Yeah. Um, and they're always willing to, to share that with others. That's it. Sharing your experiences and also the way what you might have failed in or what you've been successful in. So then hopefully you can explain to people how they can do things maybe in a different way that you did when you weren't quite so successful with something. Or And when people say, oh, I don't know much about the Silex route, isn't that the easy route into law? What would you say to people who think that that's an easy route into law? Um, probably initially through gritted teeth because I wouldn't say it's the easiest route into law at all. Um, you know, predominantly it's people that are working full time and then studying in their in their spare time. So um, it is extremely difficult. You have to be committed, but um, the end result is so worth it. Is what I would always tell anybody. Although it's hard, you know, nothing worth doing is ever easy, is it? Generally in life. So, and I think as an as an employer that's been through the um, sort of traditional law degree route having employees that are Silex members um, has been amazing because when when someone qualifies as Silex, they've often had years of actually working on the job that a lawyer that comes fresh out of university doesn't have. Um, have you seen that in your experience? Absolutely. I think, um, I, I guess I go back to when I came in for my... Um, interview here in 2009 I you know I came here with no family law experience but I had six years of experience of working in a legal in the legal field um, and all those experiences and um, lessons I'd learned through that process um, I think that's invaluable Mm. Um, although at the time I wasn't qualified it I qualified quite quickly after starting here you had that experience of work that experience of how a law firm works and processes work so would you advise young people to get work experience? Do you see that as really important? I think it's definitely important. It's, I mean, it's, I guess if you go through the um, law degree route and you come out of university, perhaps never having worked in the legal field at all, 
um, you've got initially a lot to learn before you get to the point where somebody with five years experience of working in an office has um, so I definitely advise people to get that sort of experience yeah, because I think at that stage you're coming out and you're just learning about how a, how a general office works, the environment, you know, how how you deal with the IT and the infrastructure of the office. So there's that side to it as well as the client skills. Um, I find lots of Silex staff they've normally been paralegals, so they've they've dealt with a lot of difficult cases or clients. They may have volunteered at Citizens Advice, um, so they've got that experience of dealing with real people. And, and family is about being on the ground and dealing with people, isn't it? It's not. Um, academic it is actually dealing with people's lives absolutely so those experiences are really really it's really important and then um, Donna just mentioned then about the citizens advice bureau you run a clinic in East Devon don't you yeah so gosh I think that's almost four or five years running now so we start yeah we've opened up the legal clinic in um, in East Devon um, to help people that can't necessarily get into Exeter um, and we provide that free sort of outreach um, service for people um, or um, I've you know built up the professional uh, relationship with people at the East Devon um, Citizen Advice so they can just pick up the phone and phone me if they need anything and um, so that's going really well. So you do quite a lot of work in the community you're also um, the vice chair for the Devon Silex branch so tell us a little bit about your role with the Silex Devon branch. Um, so essentially my role I guess is supporting the chair of the branch um, and managing the branch in terms of all the committee members. Um, we organise a lot of um, CPD events for our branch members, um, social events. Um, and the branch really supports all Silex um, or students and, and qualified lawyers, doesn't it, through Devon? Absolutely, yeah. In whichever levels. way they want, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we help people get study buddies and things like that, people that are going for exams. Um, so, yeah, it's a busy branch. So one thing I, I do want to talk to you about, because obviously you do your stuff with Citizens Advice, you do your stuff with Devon Silex Branch, you're mentoring here, you're running a really busy, complex caseload, and you're a mum, and you've got caring responsibilities outside of your work. So how do you find time for you, and what do you do to look after your well-being? Do you do enough of it? Um, gosh... Uh, well, when I have spare time, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I've started um, sort of keeping fit, going to the gym. Um, so late at night when my kids have gone to bed, I um, go off to the gym twice a week if I can. So that's, um, for me, actually, this because I only started doing that this year, so that's been quite a good way for me to get a bit of time out for me. Um, and that's definitely improved my well-being. Um, I like reading, um, socialising with friends. And how do you think it is for women these days, you know, particularly um, career-driven women that might also have caring responsibilities at home? Do you think there needs to be more support given to women or do, do you think um, women are still maybe doing everything? In terms of at home or in terms of <laughs> in, in the office? Um, I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm very lucky to be here and I think the family law company support um, mums who are either going off on maternity leave and then coming back or that work part-time I think we've got quite a few people here that are that probably fall within that remit um, so I do feel very lucky to be supported because it is very hard um, having to put your career on hold um, it's hard coming back it's hard leaving your kids mm. um, and actually I think the mentoring scheme here um, is really helpful in terms of people that are returning from maternity leave to have somebody else that knows what they're going through coming back um, after that um, yeah 
but yeah, I think it's very, um, I still do think that it's um, very difficult for, for women who want to have families and a career as well. Um, but that said, I think there's much more support than there ever has been. You, yeah. you seem to make it work because, you, you know, you're certainly smashing that glass ceiling because you're a senior associate now um, and an award winner. You won an award with the Devon and um, Somerset Law Society um, a few years ago, didn't you? Yeah. Which was really, really great. Um, what advice would you have for um, women who are facing um, all these different challenges? I think for me, it's just about keeping in your mind what you want to achieve in your own career and pushing through um, and just achieving what you want to. There is no limit if you want to do it and you've got employers that are supporting you and people at home that support you, um, you've just got to do it. You've just got to keep keep going. I think something important is is not to compare yourself with other people because everybody's on a different journey and everybody's at a different stage, aren't they, in their career and in their life. And I think now with social media, we have a lot of comparisons. Um, but I think if you're just working towards your own goals um, that you've set that are going to benefit you and your family, that's probably the, the right way to head. Yeah, I think you're very true. That's very true, actually. And I'm probably um, guilty of doing that myself, too. You do compare yourself against other people. Um, but yeah, I think you just need to keep reminding yourself that, um, you know, as long as you're doing your best and you're achieving what you want to do, it doesn't necessarily matter how long it takes to achieve things. And I think I think it's really important to sort of keep looking back on um, the achievements that that you've had, um, just so you can see how far you've come. Because I think a lot of things now these days we tend to be looking ahead all the time, we do. rather than celebrating our successes along the way. It's very true. I mean, mm-hmm. even when you're just saying all of that, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. Because I have done all of that, and actually, when you say it, you, you know, I do feel proud of myself, but I probably yeah. don't think that often enough, to be honest. No. Well, and last year you did your panel membership, and there's a huge amount of work involved in that. So, you know, you're also trying to do that on top of all of the other things that you've done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Becoming accredited, so the Law Society accreditation was a huge personal um, success for me. So when I finally managed to get it done um, and get my certificate, I was really pleased with that. Mm. Absolutely. And what about networking opportunities for women? Because I know that can be fairly limiting with lots of things being early in the morning or late at night. Um, is there anything you, any advice you think you would give women that were perhaps worried that they're not maybe networking enough or not able to do what their um, colleagues are able to do? Yeah, I think um, just try and not feel guilty about what you can't do because you've got a family at home to support. So, you know, you've got to leave on time to do the school run or... You can't get to a breakfast networking event because you have to drop the kids at school. Um, just try not feel guilty about what you can't do and feel good about what you can do, yeah. um, even if it is just a lunchtime, um, you know, every now and then. Yeah, or a coffee with a contact. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. it is really easy to feel guilty about what you can't do, um, and which you might, you might see your colleagues doing, um, because you can't do everything. Um, but no. you know I'm quite lucky I've got good support at home my partner's really supportive so you know I can do evening networking occasionally or um, but you know some people don't have that support at home so it's important that you don't people don't put too much pressure on themselves and again I think it goes back to <clears throat> it's it's about looking at what you can do and what you have done rather than focusing on the negative of oh, I, I'm failing at this or I'm not doing that absolutely more about sort of living in the moment yeah if there was one thing you could change about family law what would it be um 
So I think probably most recently would be the legal aid issue. Um, my, you know, I specialise in children and domestic abuse work, um, and over the last few years, it's extremely frustrating the number of clients that cannot access um, the legal advice that they should be able to access because of the um, non-availability of legal aid or the difficulties with getting it. Um, and that's really hard, I think, especially as family lawyers, because we do our job because we want to help people and it's really hard to see clients mm -hmm. walk out the door because they can't get the legal aid, you know, they um, can't afford to pay. And in the long run, that probably doesn't help the justice system because those people might go at it alone, they might take up more court time because they don't understand the processes. Um, and ultimately, um, in, in the end of all of that, really, are the children who may be suffering from either not seeing a parent or um, the parents not being properly supported through what's a really difficult process. Mm. And the delays in the processes as well. And is that part of the reason why you've set up the East Devon um, Clinic with the Citizens Advice Bureau to try and help people that couldn't access legal aid? Absolutely. I think that was probably one of the, you know, the main reason why we, we set up that clinic out there because there was uh, definitely a need for people in the East Devon area that um, weren't able to access um, legal advice or for whatever reason not being able to travel to a law firm in Exeter maybe um, and that clinic um, whether it is you know face to face once a month or the um, the way I've been able to build up the rapport with the people that work at the CAB there they can just pick up the phone so it's it's great that we can provide that service yeah, yeah so clients can get sort of instant um, free advice absolutely yeah. so Jem if there was one thing you could change about the world this is much much bigger than just the legal system what would it be and why gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a, a question at this time at the time at the moment we've got a new prime minister and um gosh um that is a really hard question. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to think of anything from a selfish point of view. So I guess um, it would be nice. Well, I mean, we can't change people, can we? But it would be nice to um, not have people that you know are nasty and horrible. Yeah. So people really being sort of kinder to yeah, each other. Kinder. People yeah, kinder. People being kinder. Just people being nicer to each other. Yeah. 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 And I think we're quite lucky in Exeter, aren't we, with our business community. I think it's a really kind community where everybody wants to help everybody. And um, I know from the lawyers that we work and deal with, most people, despite the cuts to legal aid, all, all want to do what's best, ultimately, for the client. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, so Gem, I've got personal questions now for you. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? So, there is quite a few super superpowers, aren't there? I think mine would be... Teleportation. Really? Yeah. Is that because you're so busy and a working yeah. mum, you just yeah, need to I get... It would avoid, yeah. avoid my commute to work. Yeah. I wouldn't have to sit on a bus. It's just dead time, in, isn't it? Yeah, dead time. Dead it time. is totally dead time. Yeah. Um, or flying, because that would be quite cool. Yeah. And you could get places quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you could also listen to podcasts at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> if I was flying, I'd definitely have to have an outfit suitable for some headphones yeah. to listen to my podcasts. <laughs> and so if you were hosting a dinner party and you could invite any three people um, dead or alive famous or not famous who would you invite um, Tom Hardy 
<laughs> just because he's quite nice and I, don't, I, I expect he would I'd have some really good conversation yeah I reckon he'd be able to talk quite a lot about family law he likes dogs <laughs> excellent and he was in Piggy Blinders and he does do the children reading on the CBBS. oh yeah so he could you know that would so be so would quite impress good. the children bedtime as well. stories absolutely um, purely for that reason obviously um, who else gosh I don't really know famous people any inspiring role models or women that are or world leaders? Probably Cliff Richard, just because <laughs> <laughs> my mum really loves Cliff Richard and she would be extremely jealous if he was going to come to a dinner party. So that would that would be one. And you could sing in the background, yeah, so that would be fine. Yeah. He didn't fall under world leader, but no. I'll give you Cliff Richard. <laughs> Cliff Richard. Um, and somebody funny, um, like um, oh, the guy that does the... Um, stand up. He's a stand up comedian. He's always on YouTube. I can't remember his name. He came to Exeter once. Michael McIntyre. Michael McIntyre. Oh, McIntyre. He's oh, yeah. so funny. So that'd be a fun evening, wouldn't it? Tom Hardy, Michael McIntyre, and Cliff Richard. <laughs> yeah. It'd <laughs> be a really great evening. Um, so, is there anything that might surprise our listeners about you, knowing that you're a family lawyer? Um, I'd probably say most people people would be surprised knowing me that I used to run for Exeter Harriers because that's quite a random thing that I used to do when I was fit and healthy. And do you run anymore? Uh, no, I don't run. So how, <laughs> how far did you used to run? What I used the... to do the sprints actually in the hurdles. Okay. But I used to be quite good at like the high so jump you, as well. you did that at county level, did you? Um, just at competitions, yeah. yeah. Won some awards on So that. if we had a family law company sports day, would you have to do the hurdles now? And shot put. I don't know if I would be able to. Probably not now. I've had two kids and I'm a bit older. So this might be where your competitiveness comes from then? Yeah, potentially. I used to dance for Devon as well, so I used to do ballroom and disco dancing um, because I love dancing. So you're a Strictly Come Dancing fan? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Gemma, for joining us. It's been really interesting. Thanks for your time. Thank you.